But if you have your Bibles, please open them up. We're going to be in the book of Luke. And by the way, this is the first Sunday of the month, so we're going to have communion that we can partake of. Communion doesn't get you saved, but communion is for the saved. We can partake as a church family of communion together at the end. All right, and so if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke 19, verse 28 is where we're going to start from. By the way, I turned on the air conditioner. You might think, gosh, it's so cold outside. But <laughs> It was getting really hot in here, wasn't it? Was it warm? Okay, so this is the first time, I think, in 2023 we're actually using the air conditioner, just in case. How's it feel right now? Is it good enough? Turn up the heat, put it to like 85? No? Negative. <laughs> All right, so please stand with me if you're able to. We're going to start from Luke chapter 19. We're going to start reading from verse 28. Luke 19, starting from verse 28, it says, When he had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet that he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village opposite you where as you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. But as they were loosing the colt, the owners of it said to them, Why are you loosing the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus, and they threw their own clothes on the colt, and they set Jesus on him. Verse 36, And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Please pray with me. Father in heaven, Thank you again for your holy word. Thank you, Lord, for scriptures like this that Luke and the others record of what we call Palm Sunday, the day of the triumphal entry. And it's not just a joyous occasion for us to celebrate on the church calendar every year, but it also highly shows how accurate your word is and how you are Lord, showing us, you're promising, you're prophesying in your word of things that must come to pass. They will come to pass. And we can't even mess with these things. These are things that you declare. This was your plan A from the beginning. Before you even created this earth, you knew that there would be a day that your only begotten son, Jesus Messiah, would come entering into Jerusalem, riding this donkey. And so you set all this up. And Lord, who are we? We can't even figure out what's going to happen five minutes from now. But you already declare these things, Lord. You declare the end from the beginning. And we ask that you would stir up our faith in you and your word. Open up our understanding of your word, for we ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you guys could have a seat if you would, please. So I want to talk to you right now about God's arrangements. God's arrangements. Have you ever noticed how God arranges? things. God arranges things. He sets things up ahead of time. For us, many of you guys know, when we were here, 
post-Superstorm Sandy. Who was here in this church during Superstorm Sandy? I know there was a bunch. I know Kimmy came out. We were here in Superstorm Sandy hit. And if I could reminisce a little bit with you, most of you guys actually that are new, you, you weren't here at that time. Maybe you didn't know. But I remember I had a job that earlier that year, the Lord had me leave. And I was kind of freaking out. Okay, what am I going to do? I was praying God release me from this thing. And the day after my daughter was was born, I was released from that. And then Superstorm Sandy hit. And I'm like, wow, okay. <laughs> you know, we don't have enough money. Uh, what are we going to do? We got to respond. I remember talking with Pastor Lloyd Pulley. And he was, he was like, okay, we can't not do anything. And I'm like, that's good. But how am I going to take care of my you know, new baby girl and all these things? And things here even with this church. Only to find out later on that if I would have stayed at that job, it was American Bible Society in Manhattan. Nice job. Uh, paid the rent, etc. We got benefits and all. And I knew beyond belief that the Lord wanted me there. But to find later on that if I would have stayed there at that job, then I wouldn't have been able to respond. We as a congregation wouldn't have been able to respond. Because my excuse would have been, oh, don't have time. Also, some of you guys know, this building that we're sitting in right now, this was a warehouse. Do you guys know that? Some of you guys know that. Some of you don't. It was a nasty warehouse, actually, with probably rats everywhere. And all. Some of you guys are probably thinking, oh, gross. We cleaned it up. Praise God for that. But we were praying on that side of the wall for months. Lord, do you want us to break through the wall? Because we were just on that side, just the storefront side. We believed it was what the Lord wanted us to do. Only to find out some months later that Superstorm Sandy hit. And then when Superstorm Sandy hit, we had to put up a lot of missionaries, receive a lot of them here. At one time we had, I think it was like, was it like 25 missionaries? Actually, they were sleeping overnight in the building here. Crazy, crazy things going on. And we also, this, this became a warehouse. We also had to receive a lot of items. We still do time to time. But we had to respond in a way that on God's timeline, you see, he arranges things ahead of time. He arranges things in advance. I couldn't figure that out. That's just where my struggling faith was. Because even when Superstorm Sandy hit, some of my pastor friends know, I was sitting there praying, God, (laughs) send someone else. And then even, uh, some of you guys know, we were given a five-acre property in South Queens when Superstorm Sandy hit. I mean, where are you going to get five acres of property in New York City? Think about that. And you know what they gave it to us for? Free. I'm like, wow, that's cool. We had it for two years. Where do you get that? It's, it's hard to, to get an apartment in New York City, right? And lo and behold, God had already prepped someone that was there. He couldn't use the property when Superstorm Sandy hit. I remember the, the guy was telling me, hey, look, just use the property here. You guys are doing a good work. We're just taking stuff. We didn't know what we're doing. We're just trying to love people, pray for them, hand out supplies. People would see us there. They would drop by, hey, I got a whole carload of, of paper towels or bottles of water. Those kind of things are there's giving to him. Remember, some of you guys remember we would leave here with our cars full of stuff. We'd get back later on. It'd be more stuff. Like, what happened? It multiplied. And we didn't know. And I'm sure the owner of that property didn't know that God had already arranged for us to be there. And he does these things ahead of time. And so whether it's us in this congregation being used of the Lord or even in your own life, did you know that God has arranged things for you, for your calling? In fact, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it mentions, you are created in Christ Jesus for what? 
for good works, which God prepared beforehand. Think about that. Which God prepared beforehand, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. That's Ephesians 2, verse 10. So the Lord arranges things. And here in our story, we see Jesus had arranged for these things ahead of time. It's kind of neat. A little freaky if you think about it, too. Like, he actually had set this up. This was his plan A before planet Earth was created. And if you think things out, even for you and I today, we're simply walking out this timeline that he's already seen that we're going to go through. It was prophesied in a passage of the Bible called Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Put it here on the display. It says this, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation. Lowly and riding on a donkey. A colt, the foal of a donkey. Zechariah 9, verse 9. So this city where he would be announced is which city? Jerusalem. This king would be coming to where? To Jerusalem. This king is going to be how? He's just. He's going to have salvation. And he'll be, how are you going to be able to recognize him? Quote, lowly and riding on a donkey. So the Lord arranges all of these things ahead of time. We can't figure them out. Right? You and I see as we look at and put the pieces of the puzzle together and we look back in history. We have that blessing. But the Lord already declared these things ahead of time. And as we learn about how the Lord arranges things, we learn that history records only one special day. This is the day that you and I call Palm Sunday, the day of the triumphal entry. Only one special, highly anticipated and prophesied day, only one unique day where Jerusalem was to formally welcome Jesus as King, Messiah, and Savior. So this is the day that we call Palm Sunday. And if you take notice, Jesus is totally arranging this day. So we're talking about the arrangement of God. How is he arranging it? Well, he needs a donkey to ride on. So before he gets to the city, he comes and he's telling two of his disciples, look at verse 30 and 31, go into the village opposite you. Where you enter, you'll find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. Crazy command, right? By the way, if you're one of those two, who of you would just go and do it? Any of you? Do you know what that would mean, though? Uh, put in practical terms. You're walking. What's that? Trespassing and theft. Trespassing and theft. Look at my, my wife. <laughs> yeah, basically, it's like saying, go and rip off this donkey. Did Messiah really tell us that? So he's needing a donkey to ride on. He knows where the donkey is. He even tells two of his disciples to go tell the owner. So think about it. The owner, owners, as it says, they had to previously know about this. He had arranged this. We don't even know how. We don't know when. Maybe it was the Heavenly Father spoke to them. Maybe Jesus himself went prior to this. But he gives them some kind of special code words. What are they? The Lord has need of it. Sounds crazy, right? And so imagine you're the donkey owner. Hey, you're going to have a special calling. When I call upon you, you'll know. Just prepare a donkey. No one ever can sit on it. It's a special purpose donkey. Don't worry about how you name it. Well, how am I going to know when you're going to call upon me? 
Well, I'm going to send my messengers. And they're going to tell you the Lord has need of it. Like, what? <laughs> Just be prepared. <laughs> crazy command. So God gives crazy commands. So he tells two of his disciples what to tell the owner. And he actually lets them go. But this is how he must enter Jerusalem. Again, this is prophesied prior to Jesus coming. This is in Zechariah 9, verse 9. And I'm going to show you a little bit of a timeline. We're going to start to go through this. And I'm going to try to not be techie. I'm one of those guys that I love tech. (laughs) So I love timelines. I love things in biblical prophecy, how analytically correct they are, let's say. But God had totally arranged this day of visitation that you and I call Palm Sunday. He prophesied in Daniel's book. We don't have time to go through this in depth. But... You can see here, even on the display, that in Daniel chapter 9, verse 25, there was a prophecy given by an angel where Daniel records this. Daniel 9, verse 25. I'm going to read it to you. We're not going to go through this in depth and detail, but it says, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem. So there's going to be a command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah, the prince, There shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublesome times. All right. Just put all the mathematical calculation aside. And by the way, I have a book here called The Coming Prince written by Sir Robert Anderson. He's the one that I refer to here. He actually records in history that we believe is March 14th, 445 BC, that this command to restore and build Jerusalem was given. And you'll find this actually in the Bible in Nehemiah chapter 2 where there's a this crazy command to restore and build Jerusalem and then the timeline the clock starts going. And when you calculate this it's basically 483 years or 173,880 days. And what is going to happen according to this prophecy? Palm Sunday. That's what Palm Sunday is about. Palm Sunday is not about going to church and getting your palm. Anybody grow up and that's what it was all about? (laughs) Oh, raise your hand. This is funny. This is actually a lot of you guys. Raise your hands up. It was about like going to church and get your palm. And then from what I grow up, like I I have some friends that are crazy Catholics. They're like, yeah, I know what it's about. My mom just said, prove to me you went. And the proof was you bring home a palm. Was that anybody's experience? That's kind of funny. I never understood that. (laughs) We'll get you one, sweetheart. (laughs) So Palm Sunday isn't about going to a church building on the day that we call Sun or Palm Sunday and getting your palm branch. What it was about was this command to restore and build Jerusalem. When you look at this timeline, this is already recorded in the Bible. So my hope and prayer for you as we prayed that God would bring each of you in is that this will give you a a greater love for Jesus. This will stir up your faith to have more faith in God's word and God himself. And that maybe you'll be like me and just share these things, these scriptures with the world. Because this is one of those crazy commands, those crazy prophecies that if the Bible is true and accurate, which it is, you have to receive Yeshua or Jesus as Messiah or else you have to rip out the book of Daniel you have to rip out Nehemiah and the entirety of the Bible either you receive or you reject it leaves you no way out 
And this is how we want to look at this. So he prophesied in Daniel's book of this command, this prophecy, that on the very exact day, this is what I want you to see here, the very exact day God is arranging for Messiah to come in to Jerusalem. They're going to rejoice. They're going to shout. They're going to receive this one as king, as Messiah, as savior. He's going to be riding on what? On a donkey. This is how you're going to identify him. And the crowd is going to shout, is going to rejoice. And when we see this in the scriptures, this will help you to greatly understand why it is that the Pharisees are telling Jesus, hey, why don't you tell your people, tell them to shut up, tell them to be quiet. Why? Because they knew what we missed today. That for the most part, a lot of us as Gentiles in the Christian church, we're not reading and studying these scriptures, but they knew that these were messianic scriptures. That what is being proposed and and seen and beheld by the city is that they're saying, Jesus, that you are the king, the savior, the Messiah. Can't be. They they didn't receive Jesus. They rejected him. So in this timeline, Jesus was prophesied to come in 173,880 days to the exact day. This is why I get excited when we study these things. So about 50 or 550 years prior to what we might see as the first Palm Sunday, this is when Daniel wrote this amazing prophecy. Again, you'll find it in Daniel 9, verse 25. And then when you continue on, just some neat little slides we got here to illustrate the story. Messiah is going to arrive on the 173,880th day. He's going to arrive on a donkey. Why? Jesus has to keep these appointments. Think about what this means. We're going to talk about the appointments of God. Right now we're talking about the arrangements of God. We're going to get to the appointments of God. Think of what this means, though, Christian. And I say this to you as one who stumbled upon these things, heard them also. And when I fit these things, whether it's someone like Sir Robert Anderson who wrote this book, I highly encourage you guys, Bible students, get this book called Coming Prince. You can Google for it. Or you can go to Amazon. I'm sure it's for sale. He's the one that records the exact day for us. Puts the scriptures together on the timeline. My hope and prayer of what this will do for you is this will increase your faith in God and in God's word to the point where you see this and go, wow, if you do something like this with so many scriptures all pointing to this one day on the calendar and nobody could dispute this day, you could dispute whether or not he's considered Messiah or Savior, but we know in antiquity and history that Jesus existed. You can't dispute the fact that he existed. And this leaves no room for non-believers. Either you believe and receive or deny and reject. And there's repercussions for denying and rejecting. So Jesus kept his appointment on this prophetic timeline. About 500 years before this Palm Sunday, this first Palm Sunday, Zechariah is the one that prophesied that King Jesus would be riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. That's Zechariah 9 verse 9. And he's arranging things. The Lord arranges these things. The Lord, again, keeps his appointments. What would this mean for your life? So I had to fit this within the context of my own faith and my own life with the Lord, with God and his word, with the Bible. What does this mean? I want to throw this out there now. What does this mean, Christian, 
the fact that God can declare something, arrange these things, keep his prophetic appointments. What does this mean for you with his promises and his word? If he's never failed anybody in all of eternity past into today and throughout the rest of eternity into the future, if God has never failed anybody, is he going to start with you? No. And if he's going to keep his prophetic appointments and these promises, is he going to keep these promises with you? Yes. So what should this mean with your faith? I hope and pray it will stir up your faith. That you and I can come away with a study of this is not just, oh, I got my palm. But wow, look what God has done. Look what he's done in his word. So he arranges these things. And notice this again in Zechariah 9, verse 9. I just have it color-coded here in the green. Your king is coming to you. This was declared to Jerusalem. He is just in having salvation. He's going to be lowly in riding on a donkey. The Lord's got to keep this appointment. And this is what we love remembering on Palm Sunday. By the way, this guy, Sir Robert Anderson, his book, The Coming Prince, he documents of the exact day that we believe on our calendar, what we would call April 6, 32 AD, the day of the what we call Palm Sunday, the day that Yeshua or Jesus came riding in on a donkey into Jerusalem as prophesied. These are a bunch of prophecies here. It's not just one prophecy, not just by one person and not just a one time. They don't all gather in the room at the same time and say, hey, you write in your book and you call it Nehemiah. You write in your book, you call it Daniel. You write in the Psalms. These are different people that lived in different times. And they're all prophesying about this one special day. You guys have heard that song? My wife knows this. Well, how's it go? That the Lord has made. Who here has heard of that song? We sing about that song. You probably heard people pray. I've heard people pray over decades like, oh, I cringe. Lord, this is the day you've made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. That's actually hijacking his prophecy. It's not giving praise, honor, and glory to God either. And it's really a bad interpretation of the Bible. Why? Because it's not speaking of any day that God made. Only one unique and special prophesied day. That day is what's declared in Psalm 118. When the psalmist wrote, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. (coughs) Excuse me. What's the it? It's referring to what you and I call Palm Sunday, the day of the triumphal entry. So Psalm 118, verse 24, when you read it, you realize within context of Palm Sunday, as we might call it, or the day of the triumphal entry, the day where Messiah, King, and Savior, Jesus, will be revealed in this manner to Jerusalem, why everything from the time of the fall up until this point, and then we call in Holy Week, the cross, everything points to this. All people, every nation, everything on this planet, everything points to this day. Everything. And then looking back in history, everything points back to, remember when we looked at on our calendar, everything points back to the virgin birth of Jesus. Even on our calendar, now, revisionists try to revise that, don't they? Instead of calling it B.C., they call it what? B.C.E., before common era. No. So these things you cannot dispute. They're there in history. So 
what we have here, coming back to the text in Luke 19, is that Jesus is fulfilling these things that were arranged within God's word. There's so many things, too. Not just these. There's so many things that he has not fulfilled yet. Let's continue reading on. Verse 37, we're going to look at his appointments now. God has arranged things, and God keeps his appointments. Verse 37, Then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven, and glory in the highest. Notice in verse 39, And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Now I've heard this taught before that Jesus, and I I believe it's erroneous. I heard it taught that Jesus was saying that if the people would be quiet, that he's going to create children out of stones. That's wrong. We'd have a, a doctrinally, biblically, theologically, we'd have a problem then. Why? Because then God would have created not just the original Adam and then Eve from his side. He would have created a new set of children who were then what? Pure, perfect, without sin. That'd be a problem. He's not saying, I'm going to create children out of rocks. It's as if he's saying, even if man messes things up, God's word will still be fulfilled. Why? Because when you look at these prophecies, again, there's only one highly prophesied, unique and special day where Messiah, King and Savior, Jesus, had to keep this appointment. God's word had to be fulfilled. And so the notice this, the Pharisees in verse 39, some of the Pharisees are shouting, Teacher, rebuke your disciples! See, when we miss it, when we miss the Judaism of the time, or even the Messianic prophecies, in the Gospels, look to what the crowd, the other Jews, how they react. Why the Pharisees? Because they knew the Scriptures. And they knew that the things that were being shouted out, look at this in verse 38, where it's quoted what they were saying. They knew that these were Messianic prophecies. They knew that these were Messianic things being fulfilled in front of their eyes, and they're telling Jesus, Tell your disciples to be quiet. Don't you know they're calling you the king? They're calling you Messiah. They're calling you the savior. And what are you doing riding that donkey? Dude, you're messing things up because they did not receive Jesus as the Messiah, the king, the savior. So they're telling the disciples or him to tell the disciples to be quiet. What is happening? The prophecy had to happen. God keeps his appointments. I need you to know that. So it's as if Jesus is saying, even if man messes things up, God's word will still be fulfilled. So Christian, what does this mean for your life, for your walk with God? As you read his word and you discover the promises, the prophecies, and how Christ is coming back for his church. Well, we we call and declare and teach. We looked at earlier in our service meeting, the rapture of the church. Jesus is a good husband. He's going to come back. For his bride, for his wife, the church. What does this mean about those prophecies and that blessed hope, as the scriptures say? 
there is hope in that. What does this mean for the future? Are we going to go through the great tribulation? No, we're not appointed to wrath. You and I are not going to go through what's called the great tribulation. How do you know this? Because a good study of end times biblical prophecy or what we call eschatology, which we're studying here, we're not just looking back and going, oh, great, Palm Sunday, leads you the segues of biblical events. That's only found in Daniel's book, Daniel chapter 9. And that's where you fit the events in the time. I've studied this and taught, whether from pulpits or sharing in Bible studies or in Bible college, looking at these things, discussing them, not debating, but discussing them with others. And you realize this thing's pretty bulletproof. Either we believe and receive God's word or wholly reject it. So what does this mean that God can promise and prophesy these things? And God keeps his appointments. What does this mean? This means you can trust the entire Bible. Amen? We need to. And I believe that the Lord's trying to stir our hearts here today. That you and I wouldn't just leave home and go, oh, a palm. We're not even giving out palms. I was thinking about that going, nah, that might just stir up memories from like bad Catholic upbringing or something like that. It's better for you and I to come away from this time and just say, Oh, what a great palm. Not that, but wow, what a great Jesus. Look how great God's word is. Look at the authority of his word and how he keeps his appointments. Let's continue on. God always keeps his appointments and his promises to you. So God arranges things and God keeps his appointments. And now let's look at God's accountability. Let's read from verse 41. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, you need to listen to this, folks. Verse 42, if you had known, even you, especially in this, your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes, for days will come upon you when your enemies will build up or build an embankment around you, surround you and close you in on every side. Verse 44, and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another, because, notice what he says here, you did not know the time of your visitation. Visiting hours. Jesus had a small sliver of time, a short window of time. The temple had to be there. So you guys know we love studying the temple and the tabernacle, temples, I should say, and the tabernacle in this church. I love that person studying the tabernacle. And when you study these things in the Bible, and even what the Bible records, even today, for 2,000 years roughly, we have not had a temple in Jerusalem on the Temple Mount. And so Jesus had a small sliver of time. Anybody remember what year the second temple was destroyed? This one that Jesus is prophesying about? What, what year? 70 A.D.? Very good. So roughly 40 years after Jesus says this, that temple was destroyed. And Jerusalem and the what we call the diaspora, the dispersion of the Jews, was made complete. And they were dispersed around the world. And they remained a people without a place until the 1940s when Israel is declared a nation, rebirthed. Amazing prophecies. So the Lord's going to keep... Jerusalem responsible. He's going to hold Jerusalem responsible. And God's accountability... Ah, should I say it? I should. (laughs) Do you know you are accountable for that which you know? 
Oh, you just told me. Now I'm accountable. Yes. So just like the Jews, the religious self-righteous Jews there in Jerusalem, they had God's word. They had this. Lift up your sword, church, bride. They had God's word. And Jesus holds them accountable. I mean, praise God, we just had a sister share about how she read the entire Bible. That's awesome. And part of me is like, yes, God's going to hold you accountable too. But that's a good thing, right? Out of love. So I don't want to be accountable. No, you need to, because that's where the best blessings are, right? <laughs> now you're like, oh, I don't want to read. No, God's going to hold you accountable. You are accountable for that which you know. And so now coming into a prophecy in a church like this, where we're studying this thing, looking at it a little more in depth, you and I are accountable for the totality of God's word. Do you know that? He's going to hold you accountable. And not just you, the whole world. So better read it and know it and apply it and preach it, right? For me too. He's going to hold me accountable. So notice why he's holding them accountable. Look in verse 44. Because why? He says, you did not know the time of your visitation. What you and I have the beauty and the blessing of seeing on a timeline today, that he came in as prophesied. Psalm 118. Zechariah 9.9. He's going to be riding on what? A donkey. The, the crowd is going to shout. They're going to rejoice. What are they going to proclaim? We sing this in songs. Hosanna. Hosanna means save us. Hosanna in the highest. Save us now, we pray. They're crying out to this one riding on a donkey for what? For salvation. And the common people got it. The religious self-righteous rulers like these Pharisees, they're, they're saying, tell them to shut up. <laughs> they missed it. And so Jesus comes into the city and the city was given over to the shepherds at that time, the, who became like the Pharisees, Sadducees, the ruling party. They had God's word. They were to teach it and to exemplify it to the people, but they greatly held it back from the common people. That's why we got to see what we can do to get God's word out. Amen. Not just to us here, but around the world. Willing. God's accountability. Jesus holds Jerusalem responsible. Verse 44. He's holding them responsible, accountable, quote, because you did not know the time of your visitation. They had Daniel's prophecies. They had the prophecies from Psalm 118, from Zechariah 9, verse 9 that we looked at, and others. And you and I get this beauty and blessing of seeing in the Gospels where these things are put together. You can even see how it's quoted in Red Letter Bible, the things that Jesus says. They had these things. And Jesus is holding Jerusalem and the Jewish rulers responsible to, quote, know the time of your visitation. Visiting hours. So he came with a very short window of opportunity, window of time. Declared even in Psalm 118 that he would come in to the city. And that he would die. So Jesus expected them to know Daniel's prophecy of the Messiah being announced as he visits Jerusalem. And this main prophecy from Daniel 9, verse 25 that we read, that's what Palm Sunday is about. It's not about going to a church building and getting your palm. Oh, mom, I got my palm. Hey, oh, high five, give me a hug. You're such a good Christian. Oh, you went to church today. You got proof. But we need to know these scriptures and be held accountable to God by them, but also to share these. So my hope and prayer is that when each of you leaves here today, you leave with a better love for Jesus. 
you leave with more faith in God's word, that you leave perhaps better equipped to share these things. I can guarantee you with the people that you know that call themselves Christian, that many of them don't know the Bible. I grew up as a Christian. I never heard of this prophecy until it was shown to me. And I realized, wow, <laughs> there's a lot in God's word that I am totally oblivious of. And so now I have that burden I want to share with you guys. But I would rather be like Ephesians 4 verse 12. Why are pastors given, so to speak? For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. May the Lord use me and others to equip you that you wouldn't just come in and get fed, but that God's word would get you healthy. Healthy sheep beget healthy sheep. Healthy sheep reproduce. But that you would go out into the world, whether it's Queens, Brooklyn, or beyond that you would share these things with the world. And Luke records that Jesus wept over Jerusalem. Why? Because they missed the time of their visitation. And you and I simply need to remember these things. I'm going to have to close here because of time. And there's a lot more that I'd like to say. But we can. I want to encourage you to come in Wednesday because we're going to go through more of the prophecies of what happened during what we call Holy Week. And I guarantee if you've never gone through the Bible in it and you just attended like, you know, church for, oh, I got my palm, that these things will blow away your, your mind. Not because of me saying them, because there's nothing. May the, the name Drew die on, but the name Jesus live on. And my words will die. God's word stands forever. God's word will blow away your mind. I encourage you to come in Wednesday. And if you can make Friday for a good Friday, we'll see what Messiah, King, Savior, Jesus did. Because they declared things like Hosanna on Palm Sunday. But what did they shout just days later? Crucify him. How quickly the crowd, just like that, can turn on him. And I'm guilty of that too. Anybody else guilty of that? I think we all are, right? So he came in as king, as Messiah and Savior. So to close with this, just as Jesus was to be received as king, Messiah and Savior in Jerusalem, each of us, you and I, you must receive Jesus. Turn away from your sins if that's where you're at. I'm not sure where everybody's at. And with this unbreakable accuracy of God's word, again, Christian, Think what this means when you fit it within the context of your life. Those times, those dark hours of the night. God, are you there? God, are you hearing my prayers? God, should I believe in your word? Why should I read it? Why? I heard that girl, Andrea, she read the entire Bible. That's great. But I don't have that kind of faith. What's going to happen with my faith? It'll grow. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Do you know the only thing that you have that God has given to you to cause spiritual growth and maturity is the Bible. And you and I need to desire. You need to stir that up. You need to read and feed upon God's word. Amen? All right, can we stand? I'm going to close this with a word of prayer here. And we'll partake of communion as a church family. But just know that as we stand here today, there's many end times prophecies that are still yet to be fulfilled. One of the things that we believe and teach and preach in this church is even our statement of faith is what's called the rapture of the church, which we looked at earlier today in our servants meeting. You can see how dark this world gets, right? It's gotten pretty dark. 
truth is called lies. Lies are considered truth. Revisionists are trying to change things. Uh, here, even in California, they're, they're trying to have people pay reparations for slavery. It's like California was never a slave state. But yet that's what liberal government is doing. Okay, um, it's It's getting bad all over. But we need to have hope and look to Jesus. Amen? Amen. And look for God's word. Forget the word of the president or ex-presidents or any politicians or even what I say. Look at what God's word has said and what he declares. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord. Thank you for these awesome prophecies, how you can arrange things within your word. And, oh, Lord, you even knew these things. This was your plan A before you created planet Earth, before the galaxies. Jesus, you're the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. You even chose us before all these things. We can't understand that. But Lord, stir up our faith. We ask that you would baptize us afresh through your spirit. Give us more faith. Stir up our faith. Stir up the spiritual gifts that you've given to us, Lord. Help us to be on fire preachers for you that throughout this week, especially God, as we gather with people or we're at work, We could discuss these things because they're in society right now. They're on the shelves in stores. But help us to not talk about the Easter Bunny, but about how you, Jesus, how you rose from the dead. And you proved that not only the sacrificer was accepted, but the sacrifice was made acceptable by the Father as you paid for our sins, as well as for those of others. Help us to know these things and help us to preach your word of truth stir up our faith, God, that we'd have more faith in you, more faith in your word. Help us to read your word. Open up our understanding of your word, God, so that when we leave this place, we're, we're, we leave as on-fire preachers of your word of truth, God. Help us to share these things with the world. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen.